0: Welcome to Season 5, the final season of Been There, Done That, a pandemic survival podcast. In this show, we've been talking to some real-life experts on how they've been getting through this time, filled with unexpected changes, challenges, and still those darn feelings of helplessness. And those experts are everyday people, like you and me. Turns out, we have been more than prepared for this moment than we ever would have realized. So let's get started and see what we can relearn, one last time. Welcome back. It is wednesday and it is february 10th so 2, 10, 2, one, february tw- uh, 10th 2021 oh, mm-hmm. and uh sorry i was just remembering when i was freaking out over it being the year 2000 and now 21 years have passed since then so sorry i was just having an age moment um so yes wednesday no,
1: like- what yeah No, I feel you. I was actually, when you were just saying the numbers, I was like, well, is it 2010, 20, 2021? What? I know. I know something has happened
0: in this last year where nothing seems as though it's real and everything needs like three or four times, you know, repeated clarification. Really? Really? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so yes, that's where we are. And um, I don't know that we need to clarify this, but maybe we should just go with that. Um, Your name's Mariana Mendoza. Right? Okay. right. All right. So, all right. Talking to the right person. Is good. Okay. Um, so, we are here talking to um, Mariana for one more interview, one more thought and reflection, and um, you know, sort of capturing the things that have happened in the last couple of months from your perspective um, as we are wrapping up this year of the first year of COVID-19. And, um, you know, I did a couple of interviews yesterday and, um, actually, no, see, this is that whole issue with time. I did two interviews two days ago on Monday, the same day that I had gotten my second vaccine shot Mm -hmm. and I was feeling all right. So clearly I did two interviews, but then yesterday, Oh my God god so i went to bed oh yeah i don't know it hit with a vengeance i went to bed monday night with um all of a sudden getting really intense chills um like the kind of chills where you're just like shivering and your teeth are like chattering and a headache
1: oh yeah
0: and i woke up and those chills were still there the pain in my joints So pain in my bones, which I'm used to with my arthritis and then pain in my muscles again that I'm used to, but only from like the waist down am I used to it. But this was like from the top to my toes, from my head to my toes. So it was just like really, really painful and, and I don't know if it's like what everybody does, but when I'm in that kind of pain, I tend to like move very slow movements, but like over and over again, you know? Like, so my leg will just move back and forth and my hands, will just like make make a fist and then open them and make it a fist again. It's Like, I'm just trying to get through the pain. And then there was a new added bonus this time, which was, there was crying. That's not new. That's kind of goes with the pain territory, but the new one was moaning moaning because that's how intense the pain was and i had a fever all day um and so today i woke but how up How are you feeling right now <laughs> so right now i'm just tired from all the movement and all the shaking like it's like the it's it's the side effect of the side effects you know um is what's yeah. happening today um but every minute that goes by I feel better and better. And the my arm where they gave me the shot, <gasps> I've okay. described it like a brand new tattoo where like you don't want anybody to touch it or even blow or fart near it because you'll feel right. the pain and it's just sort of sore. But, you know, that's what it's like to get the second shot of the vaccine and not for everyone. Everyone's a little different. But we get to talk to you and you just had covid So let's talk about, um, if you're okay with sharing as much as you want to, um, and not sharing more than you want to, what it was like to have COVID, were you alone in being sick and where were you and where are you at now in terms of, you know, a lot of us have heard that after having COVID, there are these potential long term, or a longer term um, than just the initial recovery of symptoms. And of all the 30 people that we've had in our podcast, several of us have thought, including Mm -hmm. myself, that maybe we had COVID like early on. Mm -hmm. But none of us have any proof of this. And um, one person on the podcast went and got tested maybe, or didn't wasn't able to get a test, but was pretty sure that they had it as well so but you're the only one who we maybe know did for sure have it yeah so share away
1: yeah i mean i should say right now even like when you're talking about the symptoms that you had with the vaccine i'm like i have like ptsd Mm. just like remembering you know sometimes like um even like the symptoms were not the same i think um yeah that's that's a long-term, I think, just like symptom that I've had where, um, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't have any issue like talking about it, but definitely it's hard for me to like see videos when people are talking about symptoms or like treatments or like how the science work works around it. I just get like that yeah. shortness of breath. Um, so anyways. Yeah. um, Yeah. It feels like a lot has happened since we talked, but, um, so, um,
0: okay. Let me, let me ask you three very particular questions. Okay. Ready? What was happening right before you got COVID? What was it like in, in great detail, as much detail as you're willing to remember and share when you had it? And then what has it been like after? So a beginning, middle and end. And I, I can see that that it's already becoming like very emotional talking about it. But I promise you, if we talk about this now, anytime somebody else asks you, you can just say, listen to that interview because it's all right there. And I don't want to talk about it for a little bit longer, okay? So whatever you want to share, we're, we're here to just sort of listen and, and get it down.
1: Sure. Um... Yeah, I started just like feeling emotional because um, I guess I was gonna say it and then I I stopped and just like heard my thoughts. But um, yeah, so my family, most of my family in Mexico um, had it. And um, I actually, you know, decided to go to to Mexico. So that was a choice that I made Um, and Uh, You know, sometimes I regret about it and sometimes I'm super grateful about it. But um, so at the beginning of December, I decided to fly to Mexico and I um, I stayed with my mom and quarantined in a room for like 10 days when I got there. Um, And the first day that I got out, um, I went to see my grandparents. um, And that was, you know, after 10 days that I had flown in and my grandpa had been sick for um, I think like four days or so. He had been to the hospital. He had been back. Um, he was home, and he was just feeling like super tired and um, and and kind of like sick. And that's like the first day that I that I saw them. Um, the next day, he he went back to the hospital. Um, and they told him that he didn't have COVID, that he could go back to his house. Um, and and they tested him that day. Um, and we learned two days after that he indeed had COVID and that my grandma had COVID as well. Um, so anyways, and at that point, uh, my grandpa was doing really bad. But there were like no, no spots in the hospital. So um, anyways, we, um, most of my family and I took care of him. Thankfully my grandma didn't have any symptoms. And so, um, you know, yeah, super thankfully. And I don't know how that happened, but um, that allowed us to, you know, be there and take care of my grandpa, uh, mostly my mom, my cousin, my brother, Um, some other family members and and myself. And yeah, just like, you know, we probably got, I mean, exposed at the beginning, but we didn't know if we had it um, when we first saw my grandpa and grandma because we were wearing masks, but um, but because like when we were taking care of him, we were, you know, just carrying him around. He couldn't walk. um, So we were carrying him around. And um, so that's how we all also got, you know, super exposed and sick. And um, fortunately also, like most of my family members uh, have had mild symptoms, including myself. And I think the the adrenaline helped (laughs) in a way, you know, um, we were just so focused taking care of my grandpa that. Yeah, so it was just, you know, those two weeks of, um, yeah, just like fear and, um, and love and care as well. Um, and, of course, like exhaustion. And I actually thought a lot about you because I know we had talked about before how the pandemic and this crisis was not being, like, recorded you know like we were not seeing pictures of folks that had kobe we were not seeing pictures of family members and um i actually took some pictures <laughs> um and you know i haven't shared them because you know it's hard mm-hmm. so anyways that's something that ca- came up um but yeah and i should say that I mean I'm you know I think remembering how hard it was and how hard it is still but um you know we've been so so lucky and so grateful my grandpa is still living um he is experiencing a lot of long term issues because he's 92 of course and he probably didn't get the care that he needed with us because we were not healthcare professionals so we didn't know how to take care of him really well rather other than you know give him love and we were able to get oxygen so um like an oxygen tank and um provide him with that and just be in contact with a lot of other resources that we were able to get um but yeah um but he's still alive. So everyone is um, is here and is recovering in, in some way or another.
0: Ooh. You know, um, early on, symptoms, conversations, and even to this day, when we talk about long-term effects of um, having COVID, there's so much with regards to how it's transmitted and what it affects that is related to breath and breathing and air and listening to you share what had happened and hearing you taking breaths that are short and, and contracted and being held tight as you're talking about like really hard emotional recollections. And then, as you get to the point of and and we're all still here and we're recovering now and yes there's long-term effects including the emotional traumatic long-term effects but you've made it through and then your breath got longer and then some deep breaths you know came out and and i just really appreciate um how willing you were in those few minutes to share what it was like and what happened and i also feel that you know during this time of of trying to archive and remember and not forget what this has been like um usually we we see the statistics of people who have had covid or who've passed through covid as a number as a dot and the last few months people really wanting to you know, make an effort to do differently and share stories about people and share pictures of them and, and talk about them more so that we can really, you know, see the humanity of what we're losing um, as well. But one thing that has not come that I rarely see, or that I'm maybe rarely willing to see and hear is the emotional aspect and to hear really someone's pain and suffering and that was very clear in what you shared. Um, and I hope also that in in the emotion behind telling that story, I I hope for the sake of long-term trauma, that at some point you're able to share that story without crying yeah. and without being so overwhelmed so that it is something that you can talk about and not feel like oh, every time something reminds you of it. And yet I also wish you to cry and to have all the feelings when you think about it too, because it, I feel like not having feelings around it um, on a very personal level is how we got here mm-hmm. because we, we don't get to see it and hear it and see someone's pain um, the way that maybe we need to, in order to be struck, um, to make the changes that are really needed. Um And I also want to say that it also sounds like you did everything that we were supposed to do, you know, like you traveled back home. It's not like, you know, some people I know um, and live very close to um, in my neighborhood who travel internationally internationally for vacation, as if it's still time to travel to Mexico to, you know, be on vacation. And there's plenty of Americans um, who are traveling south because there's less restrictions in in Mexico. And I think we all saw what was going to happen right now, February 10th, 2021. Mexico is number three in the highest number of COVID cases and growing number of daily COVID deaths. And right now in Mexico, you talked about, you know, your grandfather being able to get oxygen right now we're hearing stories that there are no more oxygen tanks to buy. Um, and for all the reasons that that would be possible because they're not, um, being disseminated and, um, given out in a process through the government, it's just not possible. And that it's been taken over by organized, you know, um, groups um the cartels who have decided that this is this is supply and demand this is capitalism at its best people need this so they'll they'll do anything to get it right yeah. so what was it like to um to go and get oxygen like uh where did you go
1: yeah so that's part of the part of the i think reflection and part of the problem that you're sharing um we, you know, and this is something that I've been reflecting too, in terms of like, why did my grandpa survive, you know? Right. He's 92, you know. Um, There was no, no, like, really like healthcare that could be provided from like the government because there is no capacity. There was, you know. Okay, so many, many um places we went to to get oxygen and this is you know paying for oxygen they didn't have tanks anymore they didn't have any other way of providing oxygen and you know me my cousin we had time and we were able to call you know for hours um go really far to be able to get oxygen actually actually my cousin was a person who was able to get it um we called uh to a place um like in the outskirts of mexico city mm-hmm. where um it was like close to the to the industry mm-hmm. of these tanks and they had like just a few and she mm-hmm. basically said that she was uh in a line for hours until um she got one and i think they didn't have many for the other folks that were behind her in the line
0: yeah
1: so and you know we were really- Can I ask
0: what did you have to pay for that and how much oxygen was it? How much oxygen do you remember and how much did you have to pay for it?
1: I mean it was thousands of pesos and mm-hmm. which is hundreds of dollars and um and they actually um it was like a, a rental so you they said that if you rented out if you rented the the oxygen tank then they would come weekly i think or like whenever you needed to to fill it out again and that was Mm -hmm. part of the problem as well that they wouldn't come on time so Mm -hmm. it was you know the anxiety of like is it going to be enough oxygen uh what else can we do and that was like the first days until we were able to get um i don't know what's the name in english but like a compressor
0: Uh uh-huh so like a ventilator
1: it's not maybe it's, I don't know how it's called in, in English, but it's basically this machine that you connect to electricity and it um it um creates oxy- oxygen through water. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit more sustainable, but also you know, we were losing electricity, so it was just trying to so we were rotating between the oxygen tank and the compressor, the yeah. The rest of the thing. Yeah. Um so, yeah, but it was really hard, and i I don't think you know we had the resources to pay for it and we had the time um, and kind of like the resources as well to figure out where to find them and it was not easy so
0: right, so and you and you mentioned those things, I imagine, um, because if you if you and, and other cousins hadn't been there. Hadn't you know uh, to to your point like had the resources or knowledge of who to call, and had the time right. to make all of those phone calls, um, and then had the transportation ability. Whether owning a car, having gas in the car to go drive far away to go get it, right? Like these are things that become challenging if you have a um, essential job that you can't do from home. If you are working a job from home and you can't get away from it. Um, if you have uh, small children and you're a parent and you know they have particular needs and you're unable to, or if you yourself are immunocompromised and you're not able to be exposed to somebody who might put you in danger, you know. In that particular way, you know, for all of those reasons, this was a perfect alignment of lots of opportunity and privilege to then be able to use all of those things to help your ninety-two-year-old grandfather stay alive. That's right. And um, that's a lot of resources. Oh, and then not to mention the f- the financial money mm-hmm. to rent the tank, right? Like there are so many factors involved um, to be it's able so to.
1: Expensive. Yeah. Yes. For sure. For sure. Yes.
0: So I guess this is a really complicated question and I don't mean to ask it in a negative way, but I really wanna know, so do you regret going? Do you regret going to Mexico? Like you did everything, like I said, like I was starting to say, you did everything right. You traveled to go home at the safest time possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time that felt like, I don't know if I can go any other time, right? Like you went home (laughs) as safely as possible, and then you said you quarantined, right? So you did everything so that you weren't bringing anything to your family that might cause them harm. And then we hear the story about your grandfather not feeling well and him getting tested, but maybe getting tested too soon to the beginning of not feeling well. So he gets a false negative and then more tests reveal that he had it, right? Like, so it, in terms of what we know and mm-hmm. the science and the guidance that we're being given, you did everything as, as right and as correctly as you could have, except maybe stayed home. Mm-hmm. Would have been the only thing that maybe you could have done differently is not go to home of origin, okay. but to stay in California. But that's where it gets complicated because if you hadn't been there in Mexico, okay. maybe you wouldn't have been able to help, right? So I wonder upon coming back, not being there and being on the other side of that moment, do you regret going?
1: No, I don't regret going. Um, I do have questions about as you're saying like was i was I like safest the, my the safest I could have been no, because I traveled internationally um, and then sometimes you know, when I was sick as well, I was like, "Wow, what will be the consequences as well of me you know coming here and and getting sick um and you know um but i do feel like everything else all of that is like so shaded by just what i was able to contribute in that specific moment mm-hmm. to my grandpa to my grandma i mean yeah to my grandma to my mom to my cousin like it required and this is something i learned like taking care of someone who needs care in in a certain moment requires a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I am I am so grateful I was able to to provide that, and I'm still like actually right now that I'm back, I feel like I should be there still,
0: mm.
1: so I don't regret.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it feels like. At least for me, mm-hmm. the moments where I wish I was somewhere the most is, especially around family and friends, like the people that you love the most, It's when something is going really, really great and it's time to celebrate or when something's going really, really wrong and you just need that comfort, you just need that security, you need to see why, why you're fighting. Yeah. you know like why why are you struggling in that moment um and so it's been really hard to have celebrations like weddings and birthdays and graduations and you know culminations and finishing things and having fun times during this year because we can't do it together and if we can't do it together and in person it feels like it didn't really happen mm-hmm. And then likewise, when we are in this last year going through tragedies, whether it's people dying from COVID or not, and not being able to collectively mourn together and come together, or the fact that when folks get COVID to the point where it's so severe that, and there is room in a hospital and they go into that hospital, they are alone. And that's when you really want to be there, you know, that you can't. And so the fact that you were able to get on a plane and go see your family and that you made that decision, it makes perfect sense that you would feel like, no, I did the right thing because I was there in the hard time. Mm -hmm. I was there in that hard moment, right? Because when you're missing out on the celebration, you're like, oh, we can make it up. But when you're missing out, quote unquote, missing out, during the hardest times, there is a heaviness and a guilt that I know that I feel that I couldn't do anything and that I didn't do anything to help. And I don't know if that's like a universal human thing. Like I wasn't there to help. I wish that it was a human thing, but the fact that people right now are still resisting wearing a mask makes me feel that it isn't a human thing. (laughs) So the idea of wanting to be there to care for another person. Um, But we've talked a lot about Mexico as, as a country, as a people and how there would be cultural differences in how to respond to COVID-19. What else did you see while you were there um, that felt like a big difference between how Mexico is handling this year time versus how people are handling it, uh, in the States, like where there's similarities, where there differences, you know, like here in the States, depending on where you're at, there's hospital space or there isn't, there's inequality in death. There's inequality in the vaccines, um, you know, it's not the same across the U.S., nor will it be the same across Mexico. But in terms of where you were and what you saw, um, what else can you share about what was in common and what was different?
1: Sure. I mean, some some other people have asked me similar questions, and sometimes it's kind of hard for me to answer um, as, you know, give as much information as I, as I could, because I was also, like, very... Um, you know, I was quarantining the first week I was there. So I didn't really see much. Um, And, you know, I didn't see uh, many people other than my family. So I couldn't see how people were interacting with each other. Um, Right. But definitely, I mean, I did go to like, uh, you know, the, the grocery store one day, and I was just, you know, seeing people on the street, I saw that, most people were wearing masks. Out the- Yeah, wear. Mm-hmm. Even if they were not close to someone else. So that's something I realized. Um, although I know it's different. Like I talked with some friends that have told me that um, I didn't use public transportation while I was there.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: some friends that have uh, used it have told me that some people take their masks off once they're inside the bus. Um, or what the- that would be the time to wear it, not right. the time to take it off. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: I also realized that, for example, uh, when you enter the grocery store, they ask you to clean your shoes with uh, chlor- chlorine, and they, you know, they test for your f- for fever for temperature, and they give you um, um, um,
0: hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like translating everything. Which no, is, I noticed that, that in your my head. head. I like, saw you
0: making the gesture with your hand and I was like, hand sanitizer. I, uh-huh.
1: I was going to say like antiseptic gel because that, <laughs> that's like, <the> literal translation. <laughs> yeah. is- that's how I speak
0: Spanish. You know, the pumpy thing with the liquid in it and you take it out and you put it on your hand and it cleans them. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, so, and then I started realizing how like my family also like talked about it and interacted with things and each other. And it was like, they would clean all the grocery shopping like with chlorine, like all everything, all the plastic, all the fruits, everything. But then they were not super strict with each other when using masks. Like my my family was like a pod, I guess, if you can Mm -hmm. say that way. Mm -hmm. But then they would see each other Uh, and take out their masks and (laughs) I would say like you know you can't you can't do that mostly you know if my if my family was seeing my grandparents which of course was like the right concern Um,
0: so they were wiping down objects that were coming in from outside. But if a person came in from outside, they would still hug them and give them kisses and right. shake their hands and right. not immediately shake their hands or take a shower, or take off their clothing. It's like, it only translated that things coming in from outside were dangerous, not people.
1: Exactly. And, mm-hmm. you know, I try to explain what I, what I've learned. And I think like the way the information has been shared there is been mm-hmm. very different. Like it, or people have, you know, um, digested it very differently. And they mm-hmm. were cleaning so well everything, but they were not really taking care of each other while interacting with each yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing that I saw.
0: Yeah. I, I almost feel like that's how we were here at the beginning.
1: Right. It's like, you know,
0: like, in fact, the other day, someone I think we both know posted on on social media. Are we still wiping down groceries like huh? that was an early on, you know, precaution, like take off your shoes, don't wear your shoes inside because you're bringing things in, w- wipe down things from the grocery store, whether you pick them up or they're delivered, you know, and there was like all this stuff. And then slowly we have kind of let those things go. And I feel like in the States right now, in the U.S., the big thing is massive masks, 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 and even double masking and making sure that it's tight enough around your your face and definitely still with the distance. But I feel like our concentration is on mask and distance and even that people don't care, right? But I think we've moved past the wipe down things. And then I remember I had an interview with um, one, of, one of the folks that are in the podcast and, and they're the wow. doctor and they were telling me about, well, when you wipe down things, Um, You know, you shouldn't wipe down just everything because, and then you have to give it some time to air out before you eat it. Like you can't wipe down a banana and then eat it immediately. You know, like, please don't put a wipe on the inside of a cup and then pour water in it and drink it. You know, like these kinds of levels of cleanliness were maybe going too far. So I wonder if maybe in a few months, you know, like that'll change in Mexico. I remember growing up as a kid, that's how fashion happened. You know, if neon was really great in the States in May, come July, neon was really great in Mexico. You know, like it just took a little bit of time for it to, to go that way. Um, so yeah. I wonder if maybe that's what we're gonna have. And then, you know, in the US, our, our president, uh, the former president got COVID, pretty early and right now the mexican president got covid i don't know is he is he better now has he been you know
1: i think he's better now um yeah but you know similar i don't think they've been providing the the you know the best information right to everyone so right oh
0: well I guess um, I have a few follow-up questions. And I guess my first one is, so when are you going back? When do you think you're going back to Mexico? Like, are you thinking you want to go back even sooner because um, of this experience and because, you know, people got sick and you were able to be helpful? Or are you thinking I went and maybe I'll go back again in another year? um are you waiting for vaccines when do you think you might get a vaccine will you even take it when do you think people will get vaccines in mexico you know what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah that's a good question um so i would love to go back as soon as possible although i know right now there's like more uncertainty of like uh like the new variants um and um and then also like, I would love for my family to, you know get vaccinated as soon well as possible. If possible, most, most of my family members are, um, are, you know older than 60 years old, I would say. So they, um, I think in Mexico they were offering the vaccine uh, you know, after healthcare providers they were offering the vaccine to people older than 60. Also, you know, giving priority to folks that were older than like 90 years old. So I'm hoping that, for example, my grandparents, although I know they just had it, uh, it's still unclear if they can get it again soon or not. And so anyways, I, I think I would love for, if possible, for them to get a vaccine before I see them again.
0: It's really hard and complicated in every different county and state in the U.S. how you get it? Is it. Have you heard of people getting it in Mexico and what the process is like there?
1: I've heard you know, some health care providers have gotten it. But then I heard that they got the first vaccine and then they were not able to get the second one because they didn't have enough vaccines. Um, and I think it's similar for or for other folks, I think it's harder. I know like my my mom and my uh, grandma were able to sign up for for a vaccine. Although I know it, it has been really hard. Like they had to wait for like hours. Um, also like that's another barrier. Like I think people can only uh, sign up via, uh, uh, through like online through a website. And you know, that that's,
0: Oh, so we have that in common, the U.S. and Mexico with their websites, like way to go technology that isn't enough. So that's
1: one thing. And then, of course, like they don't know if they will have vaccines, you know, anytime soon to start providing them or how they will start doing that. I think they were saying that or my mom said that after signing up, they would get a call Mm -hmm. from someone that would give them more information and. Um, I think they signed up like a few days ago, so they haven't received any, any information.
0: So where do you think you're going to get the vaccine? Are you going to wait and get it in LA? Are you going to, if the opportunity comes up, fly back to Mexico to get it? Or are you going to get on a plane, go to Mexico and then go to Cuba so that you can get it since the rumor is out that Cuba is giving it to everyone who lives there and anyone who visits there for free?
1: Yeah, so actually, I was able to get it. Where? Like in the last uh, two weeks. So um, because now I work for the Department of Health Services in Ilicanti. Mm-hmm. they provided the vaccine to all staff. Of course, they started with healthcare providers. And that's the reason why I came back, because mm. um, they said that if, if I didn't get it, they were not going to be able to give my vaccine to someone else or Mm -hmm. they didn't know how that was going to happen. And so it would be lost basically.
0: And, and also they didn't know when you would be able to get it again. Like it's not like you could go in the back of the line. Yeah. So that's why you came back. So you came back from Mexico when you did so that you could get your vaccine shot. So you already got your first vaccine shot. Yes. I got you get Pfizer Moderna.
1: I got Pfizer.
0: You got Pfizer. When did you get it?
1: So I came back, I think, on on a Wednesday and I got it on a Thursday. I think it was like the second week of January. So you already got your second one? Yes.
0: You've already gotten both already? Oh my God, Mariana, you're like the ultimate unicorn. One, you left the country. Two, you got COVID-19. And three, you already got both shots of the vaccine. You have completed, oh my God, you're on the leaderboard. You're number one in the podcast. You've had it all. Oh my gosh, Mariana, you win the prize. I didn't even know. If you're listening or reading this in the future and you predicted, maybe this will be a game that we'll put at the beginning of the whole podcast. Like, Who do you think? Is going to be the winner winner chicken dinner for this loteria called I Had COVID and everything COVID in the first year. And I never would have seen this coming. I never would have thought, mm-hmm. you know what? It's Mariana. But look at you. It is Mexico. Yeah. Mexico.
1: <laughs> right. I think my my body though, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful also that I had the chance to get the vaccine. Um, because also like, you know, there's I had many conversations with my friends, and they were like, you know, there's still not enough information to see if, like, if you can get it again, if it'll be worse, if it'll be better. Um, but um, so that's why I also decided to to take it. But um, I think my body is probably freaking out because it's- yeah.
0: So how, how did your body experience getting the vaccines? Like, So there's very few of us who have gotten the vaccines. You got it. And I, I interviewed uh, someone just you know, earlier this week about their experience getting the vaccine, but we're both in Nevada and you're in California, in Southern California. So tell us about, um, did you get it at work? Like you didn't have to line up and go to Dodger Stadium. It was at some other place. How yeah. did your body respond?
1: Um, yeah, so I got it through through the Department of Health Services, and they basically told you or gave you a date and a time. And if you made it, great. And if you didn't make it, then that vaccine would have been lost, basically. So, um, I the first one, I didn't feel much. I just had like my arm hurt for a few days, and it felt heavy. Um, and then the second time, last week, I I got the second vaccine last week, and it was pretty tough. It I didn't feel similarly as when I had COVID. Like my symptoms were very very different. But um, I felt like I had fever, although mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, as you said, like my all my joints were hurting, mostly like my hips were hurting. Yeah. Um, I had a headache. Mm -hmm. I just felt like super out of it for, I mean, the second day was the worst. That night, that first night, and then the second day was the worst. that was just like me.
0: Maybe it's a Mexicana thing. Who (laughs) knows? Okay, okay. What about day three? Because that's the day I'm on now. What about two days after?
1: I think I was still feeling kind of like I had headaches Mm -hmm. um, and was feeling really tired. But I've been feeling very tired for the last... Two months and so it was hard to.
0: But is that from traveling? Is that from COVID or is that from the vaccine or is it from all three?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think it was just a combination, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I, I still feel like sometimes I get like uh bajones. Uh, some
0: bajones,
1: what's a bajones? I just like need to lay down and like need to sleep. Yeah, you just feel like you're crashing,
0: like you're just like going down, going
1: Baja, going down. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's how I felt like after the first, uh, after the first days. (sighs) So Mariana,
0: it would make sense that on the very last interview with you, after a full year, what you have to share is that you went through all the levels of year one COVID, and you're I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that you were here still to tell me this story, right? Like the levels of of gratitude, the levels of opportunities, the level of of privilege that you are able to be here with us, with me today to share what you experienced because you made it through all of those experiences. And I'm so grateful for that. I never anticipated a year ago that I would interview 30 people, that I would stay with the same 30 people for a year, because I think I was personally afraid that we were going to lose one of us potentially along the way of that year. And I'm so grateful that of the 30 participants, even in all the stuff that's happened, you know, like if I were to ask all of us, how many people have we lost? That number exists. There is a number of loss. Um, we're starting to have after a year, more people who we know we've lost. Um, in a year we've all had birthdays in a year. We've all had some celebration and some disappointment and some let go of something. Um, but I'm so glad that we didn't have, um, we didn't have maybe my worst possible outcomes of what could happen within a year yet. You know, we're only, we're only your episode number six. So we still have 24 more to go um, in the next month. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that is the case in the end. And I guess what I want to ask you now before I let you go and we finish this episode is You know, we've asked that this year be a time capsule and that this last episode really be the last things you want to remember. And at one point, um, I asked you, you know, what would you tell your your previous self? And we started talking by asking you, what does this early moment of COVID-19 remind you of that you've already lived through? But now you get to leave something behind for your future self. And so what I want to ask you is, What do you want to leave here and tell the future Mariana to not forget? What do you want to be able to look back at this moment and say, ah, that's right. I forgot that that was the lesson of that moment. So this is your time to leave a little message for the future Mariana and the future potential Marianas out there who are going to listen to this or read this or interact with this in some way, shape or form. And it could just be you. What do you want Mm -hmm. to remind yourself um, about this last year so that this also can become a time that you reflect upon as a moment that you lived through and that made you the person that you anticipate you will continue to be in the future?
1: (sighs) That's a hard, that's a hard question. Um, I think I've, been I've had the opportunity to learn so much in the last um, year and I mean so much more in the last few months for sure um I do feel like sometimes it can sound like a cliche of like how you know things can change and things can turn from like one moment to another um but I just feel like I feel that so much right now with like everything that we've gone through and um, what some of the things I lived the last few months. And I think what I would tell myself to remember is to just like really enjoy every moment I have with my loved ones and myself and to like really take care like care for, for them and and myself as well.
0: Um. It it reminds me, and I think we've maybe talked about this at different times, you know, when you got on that plane to go to Mexico, they haven't stopped everything the way they used to do it. And uh, when you get on any plane, they still go over, you know, what to do if the oxygen level gets low. And it's always the same. And it's mm-hmm. always a moment of like, really, really, I have to put it on myself before I can help put the oxygen on anyone else. And um, I think, you know, in a very literal sense, you just lived through that. And in a very, you know, um, figurative sense, Uh, that's what you want to remember, you know, take care of yourself. And then there are things that you can do to take care of others. Um, I think, uh, I think another, another thing though, that I'll, I'll just add and see what you think about it is, you know, I asked you, do you regret going to Mm -hmm. Mexico? And you said, no. And I think maybe that's another lesson to remind you later, you know, make decisions without regret. Yeah. You know, will you regret this? Is this something you can live with or not live with? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think going, going home to where family is, where, where it feels, this feels like home and taking care of folks. There is, is something that definitely you and I have talked about in, in the last year, like what is home, where is home. And what's the responsibility that we have to home. Mm-hmm. Um And I, I really, really appreciate all that you have shared with us.
1: Yeah. And something, if I can add something else is that, um, I really learned, you know, these are some conversations that we've had, I think in different spaces, but around like, just like what, what we need and what we want in, in our, in our world and what we need to have to be able to assert our rights, you know, Mm-hmm. And I think something that I learned is that um we just really need to keep just taking care of each other because um if we don't if we don't practice that that thing that we envision and that we need, we're not gonna get it from anywhere else. I think yeah there's
0: yeah, there's definitely um. There's definitely a lot of we protect us and we save us and we, we are the people um, who make all of those things possible. I mean, if if I just think back to the story he told about how you got oxygen for your grandfather, it wasn't from the Mexican government or the Mexican healthcare system. It wasn't from the U.S. government. It wasn't from the U.S. healthcare system. It was you know family community cousins people willing to help each other and to go through great lengths to do so um so that is definitely something to continue to do and in all the work that you've talked about doing it's the same thing you know like we had different interview moments where you talked about you know what are the ways in which literally transporting people out of prison you know, the abolition work of taking someone from prison to a, a home and a community, but how are they gonna be successful, you know, to to live healthy and positively and without, you know, any barriers, like how does that then happen? Um, and how do people then continue to have access to the things that you have had access to in order to be able to help others? You know, there's an assumption that everybody has the same capacity to help. And just as, you know, there's inequity in help, there's inequity in, in all of the ways in, in which that help initially even comes to be. So it's interesting, you know, in the time that you and I have been talking I'm looking at the computer screen to look at your face. And beyond you is the face of of Joaquin Castro, who ran for president as the first Mexicano to to run for U.S. president, who's talking about how horrific um, things were on January 6th and the second impeachment of the U.S. president. Um, And so there are so many things going on right now at the same time that we have also talked about. Um, So I I think I want to end with um, your story is about the importance of family being able to become reunited. And as of today, February 10th, 2021, we only have six families who have been reunited, parents reunited with the children that were separated at the Mexico U S border. And so, you know, the power of reunification and being able to be with family um, is also incredibly important right now as a lesson for us to learn, too.
1: Thank you for lifting that so, up.
0: Yeah. So thank you for sharing everything with us, Mariana. And again, I think you get like a, you get like a sticker or like, I don't know, a gift basket or something you get. (laughs) I have to send you all the partying prizes for being number one in experiencing all the things in year one of COVID-19. I'm going to, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get an endless supply of KN95 masks. You know, (laughs) we're going to give you so much PPE. It's not even going to be funny. How much protection you're gonna get? <laughs> Seriously, uh, we have to give a prize of some kind. It's so good, a tattoo? I don't know, like just a, a a syringe that's on a plaque. You know, some kind of a statue. Hmm.
1: Well, I'm hoping you know people don't get COVID. I am definitely hoping all people get the vaccine if they want to.
0: Okay, that's the prize. Everybody will get a vaccine. It'll yes. be like an Oprah show. You get a vaccine, you get a vaccine, you get a vaccine. We'll do it. We'll do it. That's what we'll do instead. Because we clearly have that power. No, no, but we'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: we'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um. You've been listening to Been There, Done That, your pandemic survival podcast sponsored by the New Economy Coalition, a membership-based network representing the solidarity economy movement in the United States. Visit NEC at neweconomy.net. Until next time, I'm your host, Felicia Perez. Stay well and stay human.